2: It's hard to overstate the significance of Judge Ketanji Brown Jackson's likely ascension to the U.S. Supreme Court.
3: It makes you think or makes a younger black women or a younger kids who come from different walks of life see that dreaming big is worth it and sees that kind of, you know, working hard, going to school, believing in yourself, being kind, being a good person
2: um, is all worth it. Judge Jackson would be the first black woman on the high court.
3: Growing up in my community in Harlem,
4: I didn't know any black woman attorneys.
2: And by her mere presence, she will change the court.
4: Well, I would hope, um, as with any um, justice on the court, that their experiences will, uh, that they will bring their life experiences um, uh, into the process of evaluating these cases.
2: But getting through the nomination process was grueling.
5: Can you provide a definition for the word woman? Can I provide a definition? Mm-hmm. No. Yeah.
4: I can't. You can't.
2: Now, history.
4: On this vote, the A's are 53, the nays are 47, and this nomination is confirmed.
2: Welcome to 880 in-depth. I'm Steve Scott. This is a judicial earthquake. There have been five women on the Supreme Court and two blacks, but of the 115 justices who have served since 1789, none has been a black woman. Judge Jackson will be the first. This makes her a trailblazer and a role model. It's also made her something of a lightning rod, and it's raised questions about the partisanship that's been injected into the Senate confirmation hearings. Senator, have we reached the point where no nominee will be confirmed unless the president and Senate majority are from the same party? I hope not. A bit later, we'll hear from New Jersey Senator Bob Menendez and Rutgers law professor Elise Body.
4: The Supreme Court has become, Supreme Court confirmation hearings have become um, con- increasingly contentious because of the stakes Uh, um, that are in play with respect to Supreme Court decisions.
2: But first, we're going to get the perspective of a first-year law student at NYU. Talia Scott is a 24-year-old black woman who grew up in Harlem. She has no relatives who are lawyers, and she was the first person in her family to go to college. When she looks at Judge Jackson, she sees her own potential. She spoke to WCBS reporter Peter Haskell as
3: someone who is a law student, um, seeing the representation specifically with people like so Justice Sotomayor, for example, who's from New York, um, but then also seeing more women on the court, I was specifically hoping for a black woman. And so of course, when President Biden, even during his kind of process leading up to the presidency was making this promise of having a black woman, potential having sorry a potential black woman nominee i was very 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 optimistic and then to see kind of the news released and to see her or to see actually all all the few nominees at the beginning was just truly heartfelt for me because a lot of times you know looking at law schools and the makeup of the top law schools in the country there's also not that many black women in law there's only two two percent of attorneys in the u.s are black women and so when i saw her you know, almost vying for one of the highest <laughs> positions uh, in our land. I think I was just, it was truly remarkable to see, and then I think it was also just gave me an immense sense of pride as a law student myself, currently who's trying to figure out the impact that I want to have and also kind of the path that I want to go down in the legal profession.
6: You talked about representation, I- I- explain what that means and-, and why that is so important.
3: Um, I will say that I think representation is so important because there's kind of this famous, I guess you a big quote where it's like, you can't be what you don't see. And I will say that just looking at my experience of interacting with black women attorneys, I was actually reflecting, um, doing a journal entry, and I realized that in, uh, growing up in my community in Harlem, I didn't know any black woman attorneys. And interestingly enough, like the first black woman attorney I met was Michelle Obama. Um, looking back now and and, you know just witnessing or understanding Judge Ketanji Brown Jackson's career and what it took for her to get to you know this position now where she's sitting before a committee or where she sat before a committee it makes you think or makes younger black women or younger kids who come from different walks of life see that dreaming big is worth it and sees that kind of you know, working hard, going to school, believing in yourself, being kind, being a good person um, is all worth it. And so I think for me, as someone who navigates NYU law, knowing that there aren't that many black women on campus at these top law schools, is representation that, you know, I'm not necessarily defined by the limits that society sets for me. And so, you know, I'm a first generation college student, a first generation law student, and also, Judge Jackson is the first, um, and it's a huge first. And so, I think the representation is seeing people—one that look like you—but also, there's representation because she was a former public defender. So, seeing someone with unique experiences, um, representation, seeing a black woman with her natural hair, and so I think there's so many aspects and layers to representation that she specifically brings that I think many people can connect to outside of her race and gender
6: as well. For for girls who are younger than you, the generation behind you, how do Mm -hmm. you think this might impact their thinking about their future and their potential?
3: I think right now with the trajectory and how everything that's happened, I think they are probably aware of their ability to shoot for the stars. You know, my little sister is 10 years old and then have a few other young girls in my life who have not only seen the first black woman VP in this country, will also hopefully see the first black woman Supreme Court justice. And so I think it's one of those things where people question, like, how is this
4: still the first?
3: Um, and so I hope after asking that question, they're also inspired to go after all of their dreams, and are often and are also, you know, pushed to think that these things are not um, are attainable and are not out of reach. And I think, you know, it's something I read. For example, Supreme Court Justice Sonia Sotomayor's <laughs> autobiography every year, and she talks about kind of. Dreaming big dreams and working hard and going to these top schools and feeling out of place and feeling imposter syndrome. And I'm sure these are all things that Judge Jackson felt at Harvard Law is things that I feel at NYU Law is things that I felt when I was an undergrad and first-generation student at Haverford. And I think many young girls, many young black girls are going to grow up and maybe continue to feel the imposter syndrome and also continue to be in spaces where people are questioning their intelligence questioning if they belong and as a result they're looking at themselves and also questioning those things and so i would hope that you know this moment represents the fact that you know your hard work will speak for itself um that you can do anything you set your mind to and so i think even just thinking back to judge jackson's opening statement where she says like I think she said her her life was blessed to without measure. And so just reflecting on how far she came um, as a little black girl who once dreamed big dreams, but also, you know, who knows if she dreamed of this dream that she's living now. And so um, I think young black girls will be inspired to not only dream, but inspired to work hard, despite society, individuals questioning if they belong, if they uh, are worthy Um, and if they are smart enough.
2: The Senate hearings were contentious. Republicans delved into questions beyond the law, and they took aim at some of the judge's rulings, raising concerns that she is a judicial activist who is soft on crime.
6: Every single case, 100% of them, when prosecutors came before you with child pornography cases, you sentenced the defenders to substantially below, not just the guidelines, which are way higher, But what the prosecutor asked for, on average of these cases, 47.2% less. I take these
5: cases very seriously as a mother, as someone who, as a judge, has to review the actual evidence in these cases and, based on Congress's requirement, take into account not only the sentencing guidelines, not only the recommendations of the parties, but also things like the stories of the victims, also things like the nature and circumstances of the offense and the history and characteristics of the defendant. Can you provide a definition for the word woman? Can I provide a definition? Mm -hmm. No. Yeah. I can't. can't give me a straight answer about something as fundamental as what a woman is underscores the dangers of the kind of progressive education that we are hearing about.
6: Do you agree with this book that is being taught with kids that that babies are racist?
5: Senator...
0: You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter, and medella is your reward. medella the mark of a fighter. Trick responsibly, beer imported by Crownland Port, Chicago, Illinois.
1: Hey Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friend at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring.
5: I do not believe that any child should be made to feel as though they are racist or though they are not valued
3: or though they are less than.
2: NYU law student Talia Scott watched with frustration.
3: It was terrible and in many circumstances and cases with the questioning it was even egregious and you know demonstrated not only sexism and racism You know I think the fact that she's most qualified but one of the most qualified individuals to sit before them and so I think when I was watching it during you know the process of being in law school was actually really hard to watch because people weren't questioning her intelligence um, outright or they weren't you know they were challenging her you know as being soft on crime or you know, just not not being able to define what a woman is or, you know, it was things where there were very much clear motivations behind it, um, or even just comparisons about how Judge Justice Kavanaugh was treated previously. And so I think one of those things that in terms of the treatment, I think Cory Booker said it (laughs) best, where said people will not steal my joy. And I think as she remained calm and collective But also, thankfully, you know, she had many people who were part of her village behind her sitting in that same room. And so I think that's what allowed her to stay very calm Um, and collective as people, you know, were making, I would say, random (laughs) and unfactual attacks on her, on her record. Um, And I think it's one of those things as a black woman. I think many people, many of my friends, especially in the legal community, talked about as black women who are often on display display for many different reasons whether that's on job interviews in the classroom um... in leadership positions you have people who will call you out and question you um, and try to imply that you are not good enough and i think she did a great job of showing why if anything she would be the perfect person for this role
6: you talk about the fact that she was they, they try to basically question whether she belonged. Is that something you're concerned about when you think about your career in law going forward?
3: Yeah, it's. I will say it's something that often keeps me up at night. I will say you know now after it's almost my the end of my first year at here at NYU Law. And even before I got to NYU Law, there are different messages that you get subtly that make you feel like you don't belong. But even here where, you know, you have classmates, right, whether that's white classmates who interrupt you while you speak or um, it's the way that students choose to interact with you or the way that employers view you. Um, And even thinking the realities of knowing that I'll be in big law and working at a big law firm where there's still not that many Um, Black attorneys. There's still not that many black partners at different firms, black women partners. Many partners are, sorry, many firms are just now starting to make strides in that area. And so not saying that just having people in these positions will be the things that change everything. But I think, you know, realizing that there was a time where there were no black women at NYU Law. And even then now, looking at our small group or the small population of black students currently here, there's not only this role that we have to be great students, to, you know, make our families proud. We also have to work harder. We also have to make sure that, you know, we are seeking out opportunities. Many of us don't come from generations of attorneys. And so I think there are all these factors at play me as well being a traditionally low-income student and currently on a full tuition scholarship right and it's not a secret that I'm on a full scholarship at NYU and so I navigate the institution knowing that again I I am the first and knowing that I'm also seen as the exception Um, and I think that's something Judge Jackson probably also felt as well where uh, you look at your community growing up in Harlem like I said I didn't see what I am now for younger girls, I didn't see that around when I was growing up. And so I think it's all that pressure of not just doing well academically um, and being a representation, not only for a black woman in law, for black people in law, but also just being a representation for your community and dreaming big and working hard or realizing that there are all these kind of systematic and institutional challenges that kind of are set up in place and don't, <laughs> are not necessarily working to make life easier for you. and so. I will say that it's been something that I am constantly talking about and working through with my peers in law school and outside of law school. But I think the start is having more black people in law who have these conversations and also extending that conversation to everyone.
2: The 51 year old judge grew up in Miami. She graduated from Harvard, then Harvard Law School. Her resume includes a clerkship for Supreme Court Justice Stephen Breyer, the man whom she will replace. She's been in private practice and a public defender. She's currently a federal appeals court judge after serving as a federal district judge. Both times, she was confirmed by the Senate with bipartisan support. Elise Body is the Henry Rutgers Professor of Law at Rutgers Law School in Newark. Last year, President Biden appointed her to the Presidential Commission on the Supreme Court. She was a classmate of Judge Jackson at Harvard Law, but they didn't know each other. Professor Body spoke to our Peter Haskell.
4: The, the Supreme Court is a public institution, and I, I think it's incredibly important that people see themselves represented in our, our public um, institutions. And black girls, little black girls around the country will see Judge Jackson, and will see... Um, uh, the possibility themselves I think of becoming a lawyer becoming a judge maybe even one day becoming a justice of the Supreme Court and I think we can't really underestimate the significance of that um, and 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 it sort of speaks to why this is such a historic moment and a historic um, event uh, assuming that it materializes um, because I you know people will will I think be more invested, or maybe even more likely to pay attention to what happens with the Supreme Court, which is um, hugely important for, um, uh, I think, its its legitimacy as an institution.
6: What do you hear from your students, the ones who are black women? Uh,
4: well, I think that, I think everyone's very excited uh, for this historic moment, um, and uh i i think they've been i think they're very proud um especially when you look at the way that she conducted herself during the confirmation hearings i mean just you know sort of the power of her intellect her 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 poise her very um measured and and careful way of interacting and engaging with the senators i d- i just think there's just tremendous pride um among, not just black women, but just, you know, people generally just sort of seeing uh, her, um, you know, rise to the occasion in this, in this moment. And, um, you know, and, and obviously she's been doing that for most of her life, it sounds like. So this is nothing new for her, but it's a chance for people to see the possibilities that black women can bring to these really important institutions in our American life.
2: It was hard to miss the partisanship during the hearings, and Republicans note their recent nominees have also faced tough questioning. Professor Boddy thinks there's a danger in making the high court just another political battleground.
4: We've seen over, uh, you know, in in recent years that the Supreme Court has become, Supreme Court confirmation hearings have become um, increasingly contentious because of the stakes uh, um, that are in play with respect to Supreme Court decisions. Um, so I, but I think to your point, the larger question is what sort of faith do does the American public have in the Supreme Court as an institution when they watch these confirmation hearings and it seems so politicized and you know, when you have nominees who are treated so unfairly. And I think there there is a danger that uh, that um, the, the, the public will perceive this process as being so highly politicized and they lose faith in the confirmation process. I've seen some indications to that effect. Um, I, I do suspect that when Judge Jackson becomes a justice and assumes her place on the Supreme Court, she will be uh, a bridge builder. She will be someone who will... Um, you know, strive to reach consensus to the extent that she can because this court is so ideologically polarized. But I think as for her, um, you know, she will be an asset to this institution for sure. And I think that having her on the court, um, hopefully, when people see her on the court, that that will help to, um, if not restore their faith in the institution, at least to make them um, more respectful of it and value it more
6: clearly her life experience is different than other judges and other justices on the court. The fact that she has had these experiences, black woman, public defender, things like that, how does that change the equation?
4: Well I would hope um, as with any um, justice on the court that their experiences will, uh, that they will bring their life experiences um, uh, into the process of evaluating these cases and that, um, it will, it will shape perhaps the way that they, um, approach these cases. I mean, I'll note that in the confirmation process itself, I mean, you know, Judge Jackson has been very careful about, um, about how her perspectives, you know, trying not to bring her personal perspectives into, the process of judging and so um and i you know and i think that 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 seems fairly reflected in some of the opinions that she's that she's issued um so i you know i it, i think i think in some respects she's unwritten right as most justices are um uh, i would um, i would imagine that um you know at some point maybe as she settles into the position she will find a way to walk that line between uh, sort of um, thinking about the law through the lens of her own background and her own history, um, while also trying to be, um, to, you know, to uh, vote in ways that are consistent with um, uh, the, the law um, and the precedent of the court.
2: Before we wrap up, let's hear from Democratic Senator Bob Menendez of New Jersey.
7: He tells us he is troubled by the way these hearings have unfolded. I'm amazed that our Republican colleagues try to find every excuse to oppose her, not because of her qualifications. She is immensely qualified. Uh, She will be the second judge on the entire Supreme Court uh, that will have more experience at every level uh, of our federal system Uh, other than uh, Sonia Sotomayor. Uh, She will have been a district court judge. She will have been a circuit court judge, which is our court of appeals in essence in the federal um, uh, uh, system. And before that, uh, she was a trial attorney and a public defender. So she understands our system of laws. And her intellect was on display. She didn't even have a note in front of her during hours of questioning. Uh, And so I'm surprised. Uh, What is it uh, with our Republican colleagues that they seem to have a problem with strong, intelligent uh, women at the end of the day in terms of casting a vote for them? Because not only for the Supreme Court, but for so many uh, circuit court judges, they always seem to have a problem.
2: But, Senator, in fairness, didn't Democrats do their best to block Justices Gorsuch, Kavanaugh, and Coney Barrett?
7: Well, but there is a a big difference. Uh, The big difference is that on substance, uh, the positions taken by those nominees uh, basically would alter uh, our system of laws as we know it, because of their uh, unwillingness to accept precedent. When you cannot say that Roe v. Wade, for example, which deals with a woman's right to choose, is settled law, uh, and that, in fact, uh, it is the precedent established by multiple Supreme Courts, then you have to worry about, is there ever going to be any law that is settled? And so um, those are just one of the many elements. And then in, in Justice Kavanaugh's case, there was a series of, of personal uh, frailties uh, that rose to the question of does this person deserve a lifetime appointment to the highest court in the land? Senator, have we reached the
2: point where no nominee will be confirmed unless the president and Senate majority are from the same party?
7: I hope not. I hope not. And And I will say... Uh, In fairness to some of my Republican colleagues, there are three that have announced that they will vote for her. So, um, you know, I give credit to them that notwithstanding the blockade that the Republican leadership wants to create, uh, on this nominee, on Justice Jackson, that I would assume to be Justice Jackson, that uh, in fact um, three Republican uh, uh, senators have said that they will support her because they have viewed her background, viewed her uh, respect for precedent, viewed her legal acumen uh, and her temperament, and decided that in fact she is worthy of their vote. I salute them for that.
2: Judge Jackson will now wait in the wings until Justice Breyer steps down. That's it for 880 In-Depth this week. The executive producers are Tim Sheld and Peter Haskell. Our thanks to NYU law student Talia Scott, Rutgers law professor Elise Boddy, and New Jersey Senator Bob Menendez. 880 In-Depth gives us a chance to focus on an important issue in our community. You can find us at wcbs880.com and the Odyssey app, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Steve Scott. Thanks for listening.
4: We really need new phones.
0: T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty-five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile. Get four iPhone 15s on us, and four lines for twenty-five bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch.